Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. From WABE in Atlanta, I'm Lois Reitzes, and this is City Lights. Thank you for listening as together we continue to navigate daily life during quarantine. The creative folks at Aurora Theatre are upbeat about the new normal, Later, we'll hear how readily they have welcomed virtual performance in the form of Aurora's Cyber Stage. John Kenny is a prize-winning author and humorist who regularly contributes to The New Yorker. In a moment, he'll tell us about his new book called Love Poems for Anxious People. I think you'll laugh and enjoy that conversation. First, we're fundraising today on the very last day of our spring member drive. Oh, the finish line is in sight. Please help us continue to create great radio if you haven't had a chance to give yet. And you can afford to help out. Please go to wabe.org slash donate. I'm joined by WABE's Director of Marketing, J.N. Berry. That's WABE.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. You listen to WABE and you value us. Now it's time to support us. As Lois said, this is the last day of our fundraising drive, so it's important that we hear from you right now. Go to WABE.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. That's wabe.org slash donate. Thanks to all of you who've already donated to WABE. Listeners like Sarah Hendricks in Loganville, who writes, WABE keeps me informed and brings me joy. I love jazz classics as much as I love keeping up with the local and national news. This donation is long overdue. Thanks, WABE. Well, thank you, Sarah. A great way of putting it. WABE's mission isn't just to bring you the news. We're also here to bring you joy. That's why we have City Lights. And it's why you should consider a gift right now, if you can afford to give. 
please do so at wabe.org slash donate. Or call 678-553-9090. We need your help because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. That's from folks just like you. Please consider a sustaining gift of $15 a month. That's the average gift from our members. Just go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. City Lights returns in about 30 seconds. Thanks for your help. Please give now at 678-553-9090. Or at wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to complete your donation. $15 a month will help keep City Lights going. Visit wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. And thank you. Love Poems for Anxious People is the new collection of poetry by John Kenny. Mr. Kenny won the Thurber Prize for American Humor in 2014 for his novel, Truth in Advertising. And like the namesake of that prize, John Kenny is also a longtime contributor to The New Yorker. This is his third book of poetry, following the success of love poems for married people and love poems for people with children. He is with us now via Zoom. John Kenny, welcome to City Lights. Lois, thank you so much for having me. Now, this book was released in late April. So you wrote the poems for anxious people before the pandemic. How do these poems land now? Well, time will tell. It's either great timing or just spectacularly bad timing. We got the idea for it in the late fall of 2019. You know, we were looking for sort of like love poems for married people, like love poems for people with children. We were looking for sort of a universal topic as someone who has dabbled with anxiety most of his adult life. I thought, geez, you know, maybe there's something here. So I don't know, Lois, I'm, you know, the, maybe the world needs a little more anxiety now with these poems, right? Well, certainly we have enough of it. So <laughs> I would think just about the world's population could relate. This should bode well. John, would you read the dedication, please? I certainly will. Two, well, there are so many people I should dedicate this book to, but I can't seem to pick one. What if I make the wrong choice or offend someone? This is a nightmare. Having read that dedication, there is no ambiguity whatsoever from the outset that this is meant for anxious people, and we can presume you are an anxious person. Yeah, I think sort of low-grade anxiety is a fairly universal trait, right? I think we all have these, the little voice in our head, uh, most every moment of every day, that is usually not a friend. They ridicule us, they second-guess us, they, they make us fearful. And I think that's, that's sort of where I wanted to play, to see if we could somehow find a little peace with that little voice and take them less seriously, find a, you know, find a little more humor and a little self-deprecation. 
when I saw the title, I immediately thought, I'm among the readers you're targeting for these poems, John. We hadn't met, and yet here I thought there was a personal message you were sending to me. When a doctor was once describing a drug she thought I should take, I was concerned about the effect it would have, and she said, it just makes you feel relaxed. How does relaxed feel to you? And I said, exotic, (laughs) which she did not think was funny. Thank you. I'm glad you did. But I was simply being honest. And, And with these poems, I believe that you so clearly understand the natural state of anxious people that this must be from personal experience. And you have now confirmed that John, which poems best illustrate your anxious state? Would you read some? Hmm. (laughs) How about old friends? I am having a party at home alone. And so many of my old friends are here. Anxiety, look at you sweating. Say hello to my good friend, embarrassment. I think you both met in junior high. And over here by himself, Facing the wall is my friend Shame. And there, unaware that his fly is down, is my dear friend Awkward Moment. And what a treat. Self-loathing just walked in. I haven't seen you since I looked in the mirror this morning. And you brought regret. I wish you hadn't. That was a joke. (laughs) WebMD. It started out simple enough. A brief search. Canker sore, which I spelled wrong, and now realize is a district in India when spelled wrong. As well as the Dutch slang for a very bad word, and also somehow cancer. Which led me to a site that linked canker sores to cold sores, showing how oral cancer lesions can mimic an open canker sore, symptoms of which include mouth pain and difficulty swallowing, both of which I suddenly had, as I followed a link to the definition of head and neck cancer, which I did not know was a thing. Nor did I realize I was now at risk of it, as a result of my mouth lesion canker cancer sore, which often causes golf ball-sized tumors, resulting in blindness, lack of motor function, and complete sexual dysfunction, which is good to know. Then I looked up an earache I was having, and it turns out I have two months to live, or possibly a head cold. Would you read teaching a five-year-old how to cross the street? I certainly will. Teaching a five-year-old how to cross the street. We wait for the walking man sign, I tell my son at the intersection. See how now it's red and it says don't walk? We don't walk. In fact, we don't even move, unless it's to move back away from the street, farther, so that your back is against the wall of this building. See that jackass on the bicycle? He's too close to us. Isn't jackass a bad word, you ask? Not in this case. It says walk now, Mom. But that's exactly when you shouldn't walk. Not yet, anyway. 
Look both ways. Now look again. Now look a third time. What do you see? Nothing? Well, you're not looking hard enough. Even when it says you can walk, you can't walk. Can you tell mummy why? Because some ass from Jersey could blow through the light? <laughs> Is that what makes these love poems clearly that anxiety for your children stems from the deepest love. But love poems is the recurring theme of your poetry collections. Yeah, I think that um, while perhaps not technically Keatsian love poems, I love human foibles. I love humanity at its messiest, most anxious, most exhausted, people losing it because it's real, because it's relatable, because we put on this face to the world that says we've got it together, we're pretty perfect, that everything sort of comes easy. And I, I, I love people who are honest enough uh, and real enough and self-deprecating enough to, to know the difference. I love that you mentioned self-deprecating because, oh, your New Yorker shouts and murmurs pieces are wonderful. And part of the enjoyment of reading them is your tone. It's immediately conversational, direct, and rich in irony from the March 30th issue, for example, this portion. Stress is so normal that most Americans are feeling it right now, which is a perfectly healthy response mechanism. And by healthy, we mean incredibly dangerous, since stress is a leading cause of heart disease. The good news is that if you continue worrying, you can avoid contracting the virus entirely by dying of a premature heart attack. So, John, I'm moving from anxiety to another costly emotion now, that being guilt, because I laughed very hard when I read what you wrote in that piece. Are we entitled to laugh at aspects of life during the pandemic? I think we are. And I, I think it's essential that we do. You know, I, I've lived in New York for 25 years. There's a very real pain going on, uh, not just in New York, all over the world. That said, if we can find in our day-to-day -day lives a way to laugh at the darkness and the pain, not laugh at it, but laugh almost with it. If we can find some lightness, right? Because the world is so heavy right now. And I think Gallo's humor is really essential <laughs> right now. Survival mechanism. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, I mean, I grew up in this big Boston Irish family and, and uh, the stuff that makes me laugh. I think a lot of folks is, is dark, is macabre. Pain is funny. <laughs> we, if we laugh at it, it's a long day. It's just a very long day. John Kenny is the author of Love Poems for Anxious People. We'll hear more from him after a quick break. We're in the 
final day of fundraising, so please support us if you can at wabe.org slash donate. We're keeping these breaks very short, but right now we need your help. I'm Lois Reitzes, and with me is Jan Berry, WABE's marketing director. Yes, Lois. Hi. We really do need your help right now. Go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Your donation helps us bring you the latest news about the coronavirus, the 2020 election, and so much more. We do this every day with no rant and no slant. On WABE, we provide the information and context, and you make the decisions based on that info. And today, we need you to make another important decision, to become a WABE member. To make that happen, give right now at wabe.org slash donate. You can call us at 678-553-9090. City Lights is here for you every weekday. We bring you interesting guests and connect you to the community of Atlanta arts and culture. You rely on us, and now we're relying on you to make a donation. Please give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Or call 678-553-9090. We need your donation because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Many of our listeners get $15 a month. Please donate what you feel you can afford. Do it at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. City Lights is 30 seconds away. Thanks so much to all of you who have helped us so far. Now we look forward to hearing from you. We're wrapping up our spring fundraising drive today, so please donate at 678-553-9090. Or at wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. If you're already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift if you can. Even a few dollars more each month will really help us during these challenging times. Make your donation by calling 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate. And thank you. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Let's return to my conversation with poet and author John Kenny. His new book is called Love Poems for Anxious People. In 1948, the English poet W.H. Auden 
won the Pulitzer Prize for his poem, The Age of Anxiety. And Auden's poem highlights human isolation, but not the physical isolation we're experiencing now. Do you believe our reality makes this the ultimate age of anxiety? Yeah, I do. And I think Auden, if you were here, would agree. I mean, if memory serves, that 100-page poem takes place in a bar, and we can't even do that now. I don't think, you know, the nature of cities is that we interact in, in close proximity in offices and coffee shops and restaurants and theaters, walking down sidewalks is, is close proximity. People drive us nuts, but we need them. We really need them. And a Zoom call just isn't the same as a coffee or a meal or a walk with, with, with someone. More than half the population lives in cities for a reason. We gather there to be with others. And this new thing where humans are the dangerous thing, it's not some big army, it's, it's other people. That's, that's just a whole new way to live. And, and so I, I do think it's, it's, it's an anxious time. But, uh, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I, I am a very, I am a hopeful person. And I think, I think smart people will lead us out of the woods. I hope so. Now, as we are an NPR affiliate here in Atlanta, to close, I was hoping that you would read your Ode to All Things Considered. <laughs> yes. Ode to All Things Considered. O Ari Shapiro, and here I thought we were friends. I have some news for you. Do you know what's not news to me? The news. <laughs> See what I did there? You're no fun anymore, you bearer of relentless awfulness, hurricane, flood, tsunami, glaciers and global and warming, poles and partisans and politics. Do you think those stories make me feel good? They don't. I don't feel well at all, Ari. My doctor has advised me to stop all news intake. I don't think you folks consider all things, just bad things. Maybe consider some other things, like donuts, or kites, or vodka. Vodka's nice to consider. Do three hours on vodka. God knows I have, and it's not even noon. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Ari Shapiro, and this is All Vodka Considered. Next night you could do whiskey, then Wellbutrin. Help me, Ari. You and Nina and Lakshmi and Audie and that other guy whose name no one knows. I don't feel well. No one does. Be my Tom Cruise to your Cuba Gooding Jr. Help me help you. Consider it? Brilliant. John Kenny, this has been wonderful, and I hope you take it as high praise that I am anxious to read your next book. Lois, thank you. It has really been fun, and I, I appreciate being on today. John Kenny's new book is Love Poems for Anxious People. He's been a contributor to The New Yorker since 1999. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We are in the final day of our spring member drive, and we need your help 
to keep WABE going. That's because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. So please give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Joining me is WABE's marketing director, Jan Berry. Call 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate. We need your donation right now because it pays for Morning Edition with Lisa Ram and All Things Considered with Jim Burris. It pays for our podcast about Southern hip hop called Bottom of the Map and Political Breakfast with Dennis O'Hare. And of course, it pays for City Lights with Lois Reitzis. To support WABE's excellent programming on this final day of the fundraiser, go to wabe.org slash donate. Or call 678-553-9090. We're honored you're willing to support WABE during these challenging times. The truth is, We can't stay on the air without you. Thanks to donors like Tamala Wright of Sandy Springs. She writes, I am so grateful for WABE. I wish I could give more, but I'm gladly giving what I can. WABE has been the gift that keeps on giving in these trying times. Thank you. Well, thanks to you, Tamala. Her donation is helping us fund programs like Fresh Air, which I'm delighted to tell you is now back on our airwaves at 2 p.m. every weekday. You can catch Terry Gross immediately following Closer Look with Rose Scott. Right now, we need your help. If you can afford to give, please give at wabe.org slash donate. Or call 678-553-9090. Every day on City Lights, Lois talks with the movers and shakers in Atlanta's creative scene, the folks who help make our city what it is. Her interviews are filled with joy and passion. And we can only bring you these inspirational voices because of your support. So become part of the WABE community as a sustaining member. Many of our listeners donate about $15 a month. But please give what you can at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Okay, we are getting back to City Lights in 30 seconds. Thanks to all of you who've helped us so far. This is the final day of our fundraiser, so it's time for you to join the WABE team and become a sustaining member. Please give at 678-553-9090. Or go to wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. If you've never been a WABE member or your membership has lapsed, now's the time to join us with a donation. As a WABE member, you'll help us provide the Atlanta community, your community, with arts and culture coverage that enriches our soul and our minds. $15 a month is the average gift. Just go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you. We presume that creative people are good at coming up with creative solutions. The pandemic has provided, on 
unprecedented challenges for creative artists. Two of them join us now. Justin Anderson is the Associate Artistic Director of Aurora Theater, here with actor Candy McClellan of the Aurora Apprentice Program. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you for having us. Thank you, thank you. Please tell us about Aurora's transition to a digital platform. Well, it has been one that has evolved as I assume, uh, you know, would be the case for for probably every performance organization around town. And and what I mean by that is it's a little amoeba-like in that you're trying to sort of first and foremost assess um, your own capabilities and resources that you have, whether it's human resources with staff, equipment, or some type of content that might be interesting or accessible, or I, I would even dare say necessary, which may not necessarily be a great qualifier, but it, you know, something that people would find some interest in. So in a way, it's, it's kind of something that's begun with germinations of just very small ideas, figuring out where the creative power and manpower is behind it, and then trying to assess needs. And for me, I had a, a great conversation with someone just this week of being very conscious of this idea of, of making sure that we're not just sort of creating content for the sake of like, oh, look, look at us, look at, look at here. Like, it's like waving your hand in a crowd to grab some attention just for the sake of, of being seen. Because I think for many of us, we're experiencing this, this notion of out of sight, out of mind, which may have its own degree of truth. I just don't like that being the driving force for creativity. I don't think anybody does. So we've really tried to be conscious of um, these conversations and these these evolving ideas of really keeping it at the forefront of what we're doing and for whom are we doing it. While the resources are, are different and the venues and sort of the, the template of what we're doing is different, there is something that's really wonderful about the immediate energy of uh, some of these things that we're, we're hopefully trying to offer with some care and curation. That's great. Would you talk about the different virtual activities you all are offering? Yes. So we have a pretty wide scope of offerings right now that range from a crafting corner with Cody Russell, who is one of our former apprentices, but he's also uh, an actor and a, a singer and a dancer and a props artisan in his, in his own right. And so he is doing a series of crafts that you can make at home. We have a, a children's reading hour series that different folks on our staff are, are heading up where they read children's books. And so that's very accessible for kids and families. We have some great programming that's coming out of our education department that partners with teaching artists that we have had employed with us to create some engagement for students who might have taken classes with us or who might be interested in like a summer camp session because that's where all of our content is moving into a virtual realm uh, for the summer as well in, in that regard. And then we've added on, as of late, some cabaret options. We just had a really lovely cabaret this past Mother's Day that Ann Carol Pence hosted with a, a panoply of guests, and it was a really lovely time. And then we just launched this thing called Cyber Stage. So we are going into our second week with this, with a play called Do You Read Me by Catherine Funkhauser. And this particular play, along with the others that we're using this month, are all written with virtual platforming in mind. So they are, for us, we're using Zoom as our tool. So they're all Zoom specific. And the reason we wanted to see if this would work was for the sake of 
just that, finding content that felt appropriate for the medium. There have been a lot of theaters, and I certainly applaud what they're doing in terms of wanting to find ways to connect, doing readings of plays or Q&As back and forth about a, a particular production that may or may not have already happened. And that's all well and good, but I was really curious about this idea of like, okay, how do we not focus on trying to retrofit what happens on a stage into a virtual platform? What if we look specifically at content that was made for this? And so we came across these particular scripts through play scripts, and we thought, what a great opportunity to engage one of our most beloved resources, our apprentice company, both the current apprentices and our alum over the course of seven years, who we love dearly and are always a part of our family, even after they graduate. And again, as you know, some make their home here, some move elsewhere, many continue in theater, many, you know, go off into do different things. But uh, we put out a call of, of interest to see if anyone would want to participate in any of these productions. And I had overwhelming response. And Candy, of course, was one who responded with, with glee and wanted to be involved. So she was one of our characters last week in a piece called Homeschooled by Jason Pizzarello. And it focuses on a mayor who, Candy, you can explain your role, the, uh, has to sort of lay down this edict that not only are we all self-quarantining, but parents have now been charged with homeschooling all of their kids. And so just this incredible hilarity ensues because you have very inept or inadequately skilled parents trying to teach some pretty heavy subject matter most of the time, or unfamiliar subject matter to their own kids and kids within their neighborhoods and communities that are taking virtual classes with them. I'm intrigued with what you're saying about staging for a virtual medium, a virtual screen. Online and virtual performances can be unpredictable. Internet connections fail. You have lag time with digital dropped calls. What do you have as a backup plan? Or is there none? <laughs> do you want to tackle that, Candy? Sure. I feel like it's just like the same thing like you're on stage. The show must go on. So when things fail, internet fails, you just have to... I think we had like a little flub actually last week where it was a giant pause. And I was like freaking out because I was like, oh my gosh, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It ended up, I think it was um, the grandma role. And it was like a very like long lag. And I think everyone was texting each other like, oh my God, who's next? Is it me? Is it me? I don't know. So everyone was freaking out a little bit. And then <laughs> she popped back up and we were like, oh my gosh. But then that actor was able to improv and be like, oh, I was on hold. And she was a grandma. It just worked perfectly. And I was just like, this is what theater is. This is what theater is. Yes. Yes, you just rely on those other actors. Yeah. And I think there's a tremendous amount of grace for that too, Lois. I think your audience is, they understand that we're all in the same boat. And, and just as you would have that in a live context, if, you know, if there, let's say there was a line flub or a miscue or heaven forbid, let's say somebody fell down on stage or whatever the case might be, or even uh, extreme examples where, you know, an actor has fallen ill or there's been some type of emergency and you have to send on an understudy or someone in place who actually might have script in hand because they're still on book. I think there's such a tremendous amount of grace that comes from an audience in those circumstances. And they, they're rooting for you to succeed. They're rooting for you to win because it's happening in their experience right then and there, which makes it so, so unique and so valuable. Let me understand. You said on stage. 
Are your actors on a stage? No. No. I didn't think so. No, but I, but it's I, to me there's an equivalence of a sensibility, right? So it's 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 as if I don't want to say complete uh, equivalence. There's a there's a semblance, a verisimilitude of us being in a, in a shared space. So as you would be watching an actor on stage, I feel like there's a similar kind of sentiment and internal rooting for for whatever's going on to succeed, even from a remote location, from the comfort of your own home watching other actors in their own homes or wherever they might be as they're, you know, logging in to these virtual platforms. There's, there's a shared camaraderie of like what's happening in the moment. Candy, what is it like for you as an actor to perform in front of a computer screen rather than a live audience? It was extremely different. <laughs> it was very, very different. But it was very liberating. It was probably the happiest I've been this whole quarantine because I have been like, I've been like doing writings and things like that, but it was very good to be able to just act and be reunited with fellow actors and seeing everyone's faces. So I really enjoyed my time. And then even as an actor, we do self tapes. So it wasn't too like, oh my gosh, I can see myself on a tape and I'm doing this for a camera. So that was fine, but it was very different, but I really loved it. It worked, it, it really worked. Justin, you were talking about the novelty of these cyber stage works that Aurora's presenting now. Other theaters have been unable to record performances because of licensing and copyright negotiations they never anticipated. Who could have anticipated this? How have you gotten around that? Well, these particular pieces, again, these are all through the publishing house of play scripts. So these were written for and commissioned by the handful of writers to be performed in a virtual setting. So that is part of the rights that you're requesting when you go in and make the purchase for the performances, which we have to do as an organization. We're, you know, as with anyone, you're basically leasing the content in a way. We don't own it. Anything that is related to design or aesthetic would essentially be like an Aurora brand, but the content itself doesn't belong to those that are executing it. And that's really been bedrock of conversations I've been trying to have with people who, who just might be curious about that, or even just patrons helping them to understand, as you were mentioning, our protections that are in place for work that can't just be willy-nilly showcased here or there. You want to make sure that people who created the work and those that are partnered with protective organizations or unions are, are getting their due and fair share. But I do hope that this is going to introduce the possibility, as I think it already has, for new conversations about not just like what do you do in the case of an emergency when it comes to archiving your work or finding an opportunity to live stream a play or a musical or whatever the case might be. I actually think it boils down to a, a much richer and robust question and conversation about accessibility. I think maybe what this is doing, maybe not the first time, but for a longer period of time for us to sit with is who are we doing this for? Who gets to come and see our work? It's not everyone. And there are people that don't have the finances or don't have the plethora of means necessary to even get into a theater or even to get a ticket. So my hope is that we're going to figure out a way to leverage the spontaneity and the energy of a live moment that could be captured and translated through other mediums 
that aren't film, that aren't TV, that there is something special still about that live experience that could translate through an archived or a streamed platform that hopefully is going to help break down some of those accessibility barriers. Is there an admission fee? For this one, no. Um, and that's part of the stipulation of the rights that we've procured for it. Once you start connecting box office receipts to any work, then the language of negotiation within a contract or within an approval adjusts accordingly. So if you maintain a degree of, of, of free access for it, then you're simply just paying for the live performance right of the work itself. Once you attach money to it, then there is, again, just something that would end up being funneled to the creators of the work, and appropriately so. So we have done it free of charge. People uh, certainly on their own terms have perhaps been moved to donate something, but there's nothing that's required. So it is legitimately free and open to everyone who wants to watch. Justin, are the performances recorded as they're taking place or do they only live in that moment? They only live in that moment. Um, we have access to them on our end, just as we would with many of our other works, having just some record of what it is that we've done, but it's not for public consumption thereafter. Again, it would it would create another agreement that we would have to go through with that publishing house to allow that to occur. And so it's not something that we can, we can share thereafter. It is something that we're, we're trying to figure out, is it something that we could financially support or is it worth having or negotiating that conversation to make that available? We don't have the equipment to do what I would consider like a real quality capture of a live experience. It's often just we're not set up for those demands. So unless you're really thinking about, and that's why I don't know if, if anyone else heard the news about Hamilton is going to be broadcast on Disney Plus in July, I think it's like for one day only. And so they've been planning um, a release for it. Nobody knew where it was going to end up, but they're saying like it's going to really sort of up the game when it comes to a live capture experience. So I don't know what that means, but I'm curious to see the way that they capture the spirit of the piece. And that might end up being a bellwether and, and maybe some new bar that's set for our industry to say, hey, what if we start thinking about theater in this way? And of course, again, rights aside, that's just a whole nother conversation and those who are involved. But maybe there are ways that we can, we can up the ante when it comes to quality or procuring equipment or whatever the case might be to have those opportunities to, to capture and showcase a live experience later on. I wonder if they're going to change the song to I Want to Be in the Zoom where that happens. Well, there is a parody. Have you seen that parody that's floating around? No. There is a great parody of I Want to Be in the Zoom where it happens. It's oh, for real? Uh, for real, it's already happened. <laughs> oh, here I thought I could copyright that. Right. <laughs> I'm wondering about the interactive aspect of what Aurora is doing. How are virtual audiences able to ask questions to the cast members after the cyber stage performances? Well, we have two great options through the Zoom platform. You have your chat function, and so that can be curated by your host to either allow full communication between, in this case, we're using the Zoom webinar format, which gives us a little bit more control over what you're seeing visually. Um, and I don't want to bore people with the details of that, but actors are assigned as panelists and those who are patrons are attendees. And what that means is the attendees can see what's going on in the panelist's view 
but they don't have video capability and they don't have audio capability unless they're given permission by the host who is also sort of sidled up with the panelists. But they have the ability to use the chat function and there's a great Q&A function. There's a question and answer function that's, that's built into the program that is available whether you're an attendee or a panelist. And you can throw a question up there anything, at, at any given moment. So what we did last week is we, we got through the entire performance and then we fielded some questions at the end. We ended up bringing up all of the actors into a gallery view so all of the attendees could see every single actor who was involved in the performance and then they could choose to ask questions folks were very gregarious and effusive with just joy of having a distraction and something fun that brought a smile to their face and some had legitimate questions about choices that were made what was our rehearsal process like um things like that so it did and 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 because um in as an attendee you have the opportunity to it's it's like a virtual raising of your hand so once that is done the host can recognize that particular person in the list and then unmute them and they can speak so the entire group hears them then they can voice an audible question and so again it just elevates that degree of interactivity so they you can hear them or they can you know type something out and the host or someone else can read the question and field an answer from a participant Justin, do you think Aurora Theatre will continue to incorporate virtual activities after reopening its doors? That's a great question, Lois. And I know it's something that's very much um, in the infancy of conversations on our end. But I'm going to be frank, I don't think we can ignore it at this point. I don't think anyone can. Whatever was the dividing wall between what we would, you know, sort of quote, say was live and virtual, I think we're going to have to have a, a thinner veil between those worlds now. And I think it's only going to behoove us to figure out and to experiment and play and bring some innovation to how those worlds can collide a little bit more. I've just been so not weighted with this, this idea of like normalcy. I've just, it's been something that's been resonating with me though, this idea of like returning to a normal. And I'm going to be honest with you, Lois, I don't think I want to, I don't want to, (laughs) you know what I mean? And what I mean by that, as we were saying earlier, just accessibility issues or a, a whole host of things have, have only just, been out in the sun longer than they normally would have, so to speak. And I don't want those things to return back to a status quo. I really want this to be an opportunity to lean into how do you rethink something? How do you reshape something? I heard it said before, this idea for any organization is that you marry your mission, but you should date your models. How do we do that? I I should credit that to Andy Stanley at North Point. I gleaned that from him several years ago, but it's always been sort of a driving factor of how I view things. And I think that's really, to me, a great opportunity for organizations and just for people too, uh, on a personal level. Like what are the things that can change and should change going forward so that there is more inclusivity or diversity or, or just new ways of presenting content I think that there's a really, really tempting comfort with the familiar, but familiarity is not going to be the thing that's going to restore us. And I think resurrect us is all this is hopefully making, you know, some type of evolution into something else. So long answer to that question. But yes, I I do think that we're going to have to be conscious of how to bridge those worlds and, and walk hand in hand with those live and virtual experiences from here on out. I think that actually would be a lovely, lovely thing. Director Justin Anderson is the Associate Artistic Director at Aurora Theatre. 
He was joined by actor Candy McClellan, a cast member on Aurora's Cyber Stage. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're fundraising today, but we'll keep this short, so please stay with us. And please support us if you can at wabe.org slash donate. Joining me now is Jan Berry, WABE's marketing director. WABE.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. Your donation right now helps pay for all the critical news and information you get on WABE. This is the very last day of the drive. So please give right now. Do it at WABE.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Or go to wabe.org slash donate. Thanks to everyone who's already donated, people like Bill Jones in Atlanta. He writes, I'm increasing my sustaining donation because I would really hate the idea of not having such an interesting, trustworthy radio station. Thanks, Bill. Sustaining members enable us to plan ahead so we know what our budget will look like. And wow, when sustaining members chip in extra money, it helps us even more. It's why we're able to launch a national call-in show like America Amplified, Life, Community, and COVID-19, and It's why we can connect you with performers and creative thinkers on City Lights every weekday. We need your donation to help pay for this important programming. And if you are already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift like Bill Jones just did. You can help at wabe.org slash donate. Or call us at 678-553-9090. It's important that we hear from you right now on this final day of our member drive because 84, 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Many of our listeners donate about $15 a month. So please give what you feel you can afford at wabe.org slash donate, or with a call to 678-553-9090. As Jayanne said, today is the final day. In fact, this is the final break in City Lights, where we'll ask for your support. So if you can afford to give, and you've been thinking about doing so, please do it right now and help us end on a high note. Please call 678-553-9090. Or go to wabe.org slash donate. We need you, Atlanta. We especially hope to hear from those of you who are in a position to give 100 or more each month. That'll make you a Cornerstone member, and you'll get great access to WABE events and even get a chance to meet some of our on-air personalities. That's a sustaining gift of $100 or more each month to become a Cornerstone member. Just go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you. 
You've been listening to City Lights, our daily celebration of Atlanta arts and culture. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. with Matt Hobbs, the musician and improviser from Dad's Garage. His quarantine project is Puppy Songs, and he already has amassed nearly 6,000 Instagram followers. Our producers are Summer Evans and Ryan McFadden. Kevin Rinker is our engineer, and I'm Lois Reitzes. I'd love it if you'd follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. City Lights is now a podcast. Check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us and for listening to member-supported 90.1 WABE Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate. And thanks.